0: It's Wednesday, July 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Abby Mallon. Good to see you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, we've got the latest reports from iRobot and Snap, uh, but we're going to begin with Spotify's late, uh, latest partnership. Um, and it's not a podcast, which has been sort of the trend for a while with Spotify when they come out with material news. But today, it's the fact that Spotify has a new long-term licensing deal with Universal Music Group. Help me understand this. It, it seems like Spotify is going to provide not just marketing, but also data and analytics from their platform so that they can give Universal Music Group a sense of who is listening to what?
1: Exactly. So, I actually, when we talked this morning and chose topics, I chose this topic because I think Just yesterday, actually, we were having sort of an investor roundtable about Spotify. And I am... um, Well, I think the the platform is great. I I kind of have a couple questions, particularly around the valuation that they're demanding right now. It's at almost a $55 billion company. And I just... um, For a little bit of backstory or history on that market. So four music labels actually own about 90% of the market. And so... um, Historically, what we've seen is that pricing power is solidly in the hands of the labels, not within Spotify. So, um, they've struggled to really turn or demonstrate a consistent level of profitability. And so, um, you mentioned that they've pursued podcasts as one thing. Um, I think that's a great idea because... You know, If we think about exclusive content, so them pursuing a strategy similar to, say, Disney or Netflix or Hulu, um, it's not really possible in music. Again, four music labels own about 90% of the market. They tried to start their own label and actually backed off from that initiative because it was sort of um, put them in at odds with their suppliers in some respect, right? So um, podcasts is one way that they have tried to get that exclusive content deal, But I still remained a little bit hesitant about this platform, just given, um, you know, I think podcasts are sort of a secondary offering that Spotify has, particularly right now. And people are still going there for the music. And I think, you know, valuation today didn't necessarily um, justify with their music offering. But today's deal, like you mentioned, um, is sort of a game changer for Spotify. So they've signed this agreement with Vivendi's Universal Music Group. Um, and for background, Universal owns about 40% of all US music for streaming. And so um, you're right. The agreement right now is that UMG will provide their sort of massive music catalog for streaming. And in return, UMG is becoming Uh, Spotify's testing and development partner for new tools, services, and marketing products. Um, So like you've mentioned, there is a couple things that have already been started. Um, It is part of what they're calling their two-sided platform. So um, for example, what they've already been doing is that labels can now pay to deliver push notifications that promote new music to a user who has either previously listened to that promoted artist or added it to their library. And what they've seen is that um, that spending and marketing in this way is actually more effective than other options. So, um, hopefully more agreements like that will come into play, and it is yet another way for Spotify to get a little bit more margin on their core music streaming business. So, this is one I actually think is, could be a very strong game-changer for Spotify.
0: Yeah, for all of the headlines that Spotify has made, and rightfully so, for the acquisitions they've made in the podcast space. My first thought when I saw this deal was, oh, they're they're getting back to their bread and butter. Like this, this, <laughs> this is this is the main reason people are going to Spotify and signing up for it. You mentioned the valuation. Look, the stock is up five six percent on this deal. It's nearly doubled in 2020. So yeah. I mean, you're not wrong when you say, boy, the valuation of Spotify. You can you can right. be bullish on this business and still look at what it has done over the last six and a half months and, and sort of shake your head and say, boy, it's it's not a cheap stock.
1: Right. I mean, I would say, you know, I think they've had a strong year. They have demonstrated stickiness to this platform that was certainly tested during COVID. So pre-COVID, about fifty percent of their listening hours were spent outside of the home. So um assumed that was sort of commuting commuting time. So either on an you know, on a smartphone or um, in the auto, things like that. And so, as COVID happened, people were worried that you know, people, you know, you don't have that those same hours anymore. And so, um, are people really going to stick with, continue to pay for this premium platform? And the the answer actually was yes. So rather than listening um, out of the home, people are just shifting where they're listening and what they're listening to. So they talked a lot about. Um, smart connected devices so like gaming consoles um things like that have seen an uptick in usage and then also sort of these wellness or calming playlists rather than their commuting sort of upbeat things but i mean that was one significant test of this platform that i think you know pre pandemic we wouldn't have necessarily seen or known that data so it was encouraging they've had a good year
0: Let's move on to some earnings news, and we'll start with iRobot. Second quarter profits and revenue for iRobot came in higher than expected. They raised revenue guidance. Why is this stock down six percent today? <laughs> this this really seems like the kind of thing you would want to see if you were an iRobot shareholder. Is it just about valuation?
1: Great question. So they, you're right. They did have an excellent quarter. Um, on April twenty fourth, the U.S. Trade representative granted iRobot an exclusion for its Roomba robot and vacuums, and that was guaranteed to go through until August 7th, 2020. I think people/slash analysts and um, Wall Street in general were looking for more updated terms as it re- relates to those trade negotiations, and um, the company commented that they don't yet have an extension for, ex- or an, yeah, an extension for exclusion beyond the expiration date. So um, it. There was no news, and no news in this case was not great for uh, Irobot. Uh,
0: this is another stock that's had a pretty tremendous run year to date, up about eighty-five percent or so, even with the drop today. And you know, it makes sense as everyone's locked in their homes. Um, you know, for people who maybe they had a cleaning service coming um, once or twice a month, that sort of thing, and instead they're saying, "Nope, um, I, I don't want." Uh, right. people in my home and so therefore i'm going to invest in uh, a roomba or you know whatever is the latest version of of the uh the robot vacuum cleaners that they have
1: yeah exactly so there was actually a report released about a week ago now by million insights um, and they projected that robot cleaning market size is going to reach 6.2 billion by the end of 2025 so that's that's a pretty big market and it is growing significantly that's above a 14% um, annual growth rate if you work that backwards. So there's a lot of opportunity here. And I think you're right. People are a little bit nervous about having um, help come into their homes. And so this is a good alternative. And also, we're all living in our homes way more than before, probably. And so you're noticing, you're bothered by you're, um, you know, it's top of mind for everyone, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I still um, haven't bought a few shares of, of Home Depot or Lowe's. But I mean, you know, it's, it's businesses like that that I think of uh, as more and more people are, as you said, stuck in their homes looking around like, what can I fix? What can I change? <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's usually one of those two things. It's like, that needs to be fixed, or I'm sick of that and I want to change it.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Snap's second quarter revenue was higher than expected, uh, but their loss for the quarter was up nearly 28% compared to a year ago. Shares of Snap down more than 8% this morning. This seems, Abby, like a quarter where there was sort of something for the bulls and something for the bears. Uh, You know, if you're a bull, you could look at Snap's results and say, you know, they're. Average revenue per user was up higher than expected. That, I, I like that. If you're a bear, I mean, this is a big loss in a quarter where a lot of big companies were hitting the pause button for the entire month of July when it comes to Facebook. Right. And as they were making those announcements in June, Snap was seen, rightly or wrongly, as a potential beneficiary from that.
1: Right. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like we've been talking about Snapchat ever since they decided to go public. And I think, you know, around the investing team, generally, we were all pretty um, bearish about the long-term prospects for this company. And every time I look at one of their quarterly reports, I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised. And this quarter was no different. I mean, I think I continue to have sort of um, negative sentiments or low expectations, which is part of it. But I mean, yeah, this to me, this quarter was actually um, very encouraging. So, like you said, they did have higher losses than. Than the the analysts were anticipating and they sort of explained that they're continuing to make long term investments to build on that momentum that they have established with their partners and with their community. Um, They weren't super specific on exactly where or what. So that was kind of a pause for me. But global daily active users um, reached 238 million and that was up 4% sequentially and up 17% year over year. And that was across all geographies with most notably, um, outside of North America and Europe, what they call the rest of the world was up 37%. And again, across all platforms, so iOS, um, Android, and even people, Snapchatters above the age of 35 were engaging with discover content more than 40% a year from a year ago. So, um, I think they have a lot of positive momentum, Um, profitability remains to be sort of a a struggle or a challenge for them.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the the age range there, because uh, Jason Moser and I were talking last week about Robinhood and, um, you know, basically trying to figure out, like, well, where is Hood going? What what is their end goal? Where do we think they are in two or three years? Does somebody buy them? Do they go public? You know all that sort of thing. Um, Kate Rooney from CNBC was on Motley Fool Money last week and made it clear that. You know, they seem like a business that very much wants to go public at some point. But Jason made the point. um, He said, "I kind of feel like Robinhood is like Snap, where it's like if you're just if you're you know you're in college, you're a young investor, you're just starting out. You know, there are a lot of things about Robinhood that are really attractive, particularly if you go back a year and they're offering free trades, and basically no one else is. Right. Um, But all the other platforms have sort of co-opted that." And he was saying, you know, I, I look at Snap, and it's like, yeah, if you're a younger, I see the appeal for younger people. I don't know that people, you know, in their 40s and 50s necessarily want to be on Snap or will be on Snap. Um, uh, so it it is going to be interesting to see, sort of, where this business is able to go. Are they able to grow, uh, sort of, an older, you know, a 35 and over? user base um, if that's important to them um, but I think you're right that ultimately like they they got to get back <laughs> they, they got to figure out a way to be profitable I mean right. like like you um, and I don't look as closely on a quarterly basis as you probably do, but I'm just pleasantly surprised that this business is a thirty three billion dollar company right. because it really seemed like when they turned down the offer from Facebook when they were still a private company and Facebook Basically said, okay, well, we're going to come up with Instagram Stories, and we're going to try and put you out of business. And uh, here they are, uh, a much bigger company than when Mark Zuckerberg tried to buy them.
1: Right. I mean, I think, I think you're right. The big question is going to be profitability here on this platform, um, in terms of the age that they're looking at. So they did announce expanded multi-year contract or content partnerships with Disney, ESPN, NBC, CBS, NBA, and the NFL. So, um, I mean, these are big players, right? And that that's a lot of money, and um, it's not necessarily focused on any one demographic. So, I think there's certainly a little bit of opportunity for them to continue to engage or attract those um, above the age of 35 users. But with that being said, I mean, it's hard because it's kind of a catch-22. You want to be this cutting-edge technology company, um, and and they've described themselves fully as a camera company. They're really pushing into augmented reality, and those things feel a little bit juxtaposed with um, the use case, which I think is news or discovery or enjoyment, et cetera, which those use cases are for everyone. But the the direction that they're trying to push this company feels um, younger and a little bit more limiting, in my opinion.
0: Abby Mallon, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here.
1: thanks for having me.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of MarketFoolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.